Good afternoon. How's everyone doing? Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, so today we're here to talk about readiness when it comes to migrating to AWS. Obviously, I don't know, just a show of hands, how many of you are either in the process of or have started, embarked on a journey of migrating at scale to AWS? Great. Awesome. Um, so as you can imagine, you know, from, ex from your own experiences, you've seen some challenges. Uh, and hopefully some of the things that I'm going to share with you today uh, will help you, you know, remove some of those blockers or make your or accelerate your pace. Or for those of you who are starting or looking at um, this journey, um, just accelerate your overall journey, um, your overall migration, and maximize your uh, return on investment. So, uh, by way of introduction, my name is Sader Nadimi. I'm with the uh, AWS Professional Services team. Uh, I've been a cloud infrastructure architect for about four and a half years. For the last two years, I've been part of the um, global migration practice that we have within the AWS Professional Services team. Uh, I'm based in the US. And a lot of what I'm going to share with you is based on the hundreds of engagements that we've had when I say we, I mean AWS Professional Services, with our customers, uh, helping them through large-scale uh, complex migrations, um, we found that these are the key elements that folks should really uh, hone in on and focus if they want to um, achieve success when they start migrating at scale, right? So um, I should be using this too. What we're going to cover today is first we're going to look at some of the common migration drivers uh, to set things into context. Why would somebody look at migrating at scale in the first place? Um, and just from a point of reference, for us at scale means 500 and above workloads. But uh, that's an arbitrary number and any, everything that I'm going to share with you today can and will apply to if you're doing, looking at doing something smaller in scope, right? Oh, and, and also forgot to mention uh, we like this to be interactive, so I don't have content for a full hour, but I would like to um, talk more about use cases and specific questions you may have. So there are two mics in both aisles. Uh, feel free to get up at any time during the presentation. If you have any questions, comments, um, happy to take them as we go. So like I mentioned, common migration drivers. We're going to define what migration readiness means, which is uh, essentially the crux of this uh, presentation. And we'll dive into the six core uh, focus areas. Uh, we'll talk just also about, we'll talk a little bit about the um, cloud adoption framework. And I hope that a lot of you at this point are aware or are familiar with the cloud adoption framework. A lot of the content, methodology, tools, best practices that we work off of within AWS uh, is based on the um, perspectives emanating from the cloud adoption framework. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, I highly encourage you to go uh, look up the Cloud Adoption Framework white paper um, and all the perspectives are listed there. Um, and then at the end of the um, talk, we'll talk, we'll touch upon what are some key levers that you have at your disposal, what are some areas or where are some areas you can go to help to get help if you needed to um, as you're embarking on your journey to the cloud and you start accelerating at a, at a much more rapid pace, uh, migrating workloads. So, 
common migration drivers, and hopefully or probably you will recognize or can relate to many of these as uh, drivers within your own organizations as well, right? So um, even though every enterprise has their own unique blend of drivers, we have seen they pretty much fall into these categories or areas, right? Um, big one is obviously increasing agility. Uh, we have a lot of enterprise customers that uh, are estimating anywhere between 30 to 70 percent an increase in productivity when they migrate their workloads to AWS. We see obviously a lot of data center consolidation, um, application rationalization, uh, especially um, enterprises who have been very acquisitive in the past and start dealing with uh, infrastructure spoil. It, uh, the value proposition for the cloud is really strong for them. Um, you also hear a lot of companies looking to completely reimagine the way they do operations and transform um, the way they conduct business. So whether it's uh, being able to go to, t to market really quickly or transforming the way they do support and operations uh, internally, uh, there's a strong value proposition for them as well. And finally, you have all the physical related uh, benefits of not having to manage data centers, not having to pay for uh, cooling, electricity, um, and obviously most enterprises, and I'm sure many of you are, are cost conscious, and so the, uh, being able to reduce the, the cost and, and the, 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 you know, the expenses of maintaining and managing infrastructure um, is very appealing. So what do we mean by readiness? Um, our experience has shown us that there are six important areas that are listed up here um, that are really paramount for you to be able to achieve success uh, prior to, embark to starting a large-scale migration to AWS. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience, many of the well-intentioned, well-funded, large uh, projects that had a lot of partners involved, a lot of internal customer resources involved have stalled or have run into issues because they didn't do their due diligence and invest the proper time and effort into these six areas. And so, uh, like I said earlier, based on our experiences, the, if you spend more uh, upfront in terms of um, aligning yourselves to making sure you have the proper um, framework for handling these six core areas, you're much, better, you're much better poised for success. So for us, executive sponsorship um, refers to the role of senior leadership um, in the organization to be able to obtain and maintain buy-in from key stakeholders, whether they're internal or external, right? Um, and we'll dive into all of these in more detail, obviously. Um, second, we want, you know, business case typically is something that drives an organization in the first place to say, hey, you know, based on the common migration drivers we just saw a slide ago, um, we want to really push forward and, and move to the cloud and we need to have a strong, compelling business case that we can share with our board or any other stakeholders that we have to make sure we are on, we are on the right track. Um, people, most important asset you have in your organization, obviously, um, the, the creating a framework for them to be able to grow, uh, to be trained, to mobilize them in the first place. Um, 
will help them, will help you as somebody who's leading a migration project or is involved in a migration project to remove any potential blockers as they may arise, right? Uh, most of my time is spent with customers not dealing with platform-related technical problems. Uh, it's more related with people and process, right? And so if you uh, invest the time and energy, energy up front to um, sorry, uh, focus on training, uh, informing, mobilizing your, your teams, and we'll talk more about what that means in a few minutes, um, you're much better poised for success. Um, additionally, foundational experience. We found that organizations that allow their teams to take advantage of um, AWS and get hands-on experience with AWS, the platform, the capabilities, even if it's in just in a sandbox environment, even if it's just a lab, even if it's just quick labs, training, what have you, um, have a much higher rate of success because going back to the people side of things, if they're familiar with the, the platform and the capabilities, uh, they're much more less, less inclined to pose or, or come up with blockers because now they really understand the value proposition and what are the things it can do in terms of you know, either from an operations perspective or, or go-to-market perspective or uh, even from an application resiliency perspective, right? Um, visibility, for us, visibility refers to having insight, knowledge, um, awareness uh, around what your IT estate looks like. And so I would say probably 80 to 90% of the customers that I work with do not have a well-defined output of what their portfolio is. So they may have outdated CMDBs, they have spreadsheets, um, they have infrastructure that is managed by a, a third-party provider. Um, it's very difficult to get real-time data. It's very difficult to get uh, dependency data. And so uh, a lot of times, you know, when you start thinking about, hey, I need to migrate 500 applications, 1,000 applications, I want to close the data center, uh, it's not trivial to start thinking about what are the risks that I'm incurring if I move, you know, a significant subset of my portfolio into the cloud, not knowing all the application dependencies, right? So from a risk and cost um, perspective, they're really vulnerable at that stage. And then finally, operating models. So uh, most enterprises, I, I, I work mostly with enterprise customers, they all have a mixture of uh, operating models. And I will get into what that means uh, when we touch on that topic. But really, you know, if you think about having um, you know, third-party providers uh, managing part of your infrastructure, um, I'll give you a simple example. I have a customer I just worked with recently, they had uh, three different providers managing the same stack for them. One was um, managing their server hardware, another one was managing their OS, and a third one was managing their applications. And so if you think about, um, from a process perspective, all the hoops they have to jump to to do provisioning, uh, to make any kind of change really, um, it becomes really cumbersome, right? So. Uh, migrating to the cloud doesn't necessarily mean you have to do away with everything that you're doing today, but you have a lot more tools at your disposal that if you wanted to make change, um, change is possible, right? And so we'll touch a little bit about that. We'll talk about that. 
So let's go into the first one. Um, this is a real toughie, right? Because executive sponsorship is not something that, you know, if I go in front of, uh, if I go to a meeting and I say, hey, you senior leader, you need to do a better job at communicating and all that. That's not an easy um, conversation. But it's, you know, we, we really feel that we need to speak truth to power. And what we think about when we say executive sponsorship is you can't pull it off if the executive is not committed. If the senior, team leaders, senior leadership team um, has won, has not formulated a proper, proper strategy and evangelized that and communicated that throughout the organization. Um, many times I find myself in meetings with folks who are not sure why we're there in the first place even though we have to close the data center in six months. Right? So it's important for them to have that kind of uh, communication. So laying out a communication plan, and that sometimes means you know, working with somebody, allocating somebody within your organization to be able to, one, uh, formulate it, but also execute it, manage it, and w run with it as you go through the migration project. So supporting the communication channels, whatever they may be. Uh, and also creating new roles and learning paths. So this is an important one because when you start evangelizing your um, strategy and the reasons why you go into the cloud, the first questions everybody's going to ask you uh, as a leader is, what's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to this role, to this division, to this team? So you need to have an answer for them ahead of time, right? And so we can help you craft one as well, but we'll talk more about this. Um, and also part of this is, really senior leadership should make the commitment and put skin in the game in terms of realigning folks and making this a priority. If migrating to the cloud and changing the way you do business is as important as you say it is, then you have to put skin in the game and either hire folks or reallocate priorities so that the folks that you have can spend their time working on the cloud migration initiative. right? The other piece of this is everything we do at AWS, we, may, we, really, we really care about measuring you know, uh, KPIs and, and success overall. So what we try to instill in our customers is coming up with a framework where the KPIs that are specific to your organization, so whether it could be the cadence of um, your migrations, how fast you migrate, how many servers or workloads you're migrating a week or every, any given sprint. Um, how much you're reducing your costs, your operational costs, whether it's because you have an outsourced provider or because now you're doing it in a DevOps fashion and you don't have to pay the same vendor to manage your infrastructure or your application. Or, uh, so any, any, any successful, impactful, meaningful uh, criteria that the organization cares about has to be outlined and documented and tracked at, at the onset of the migration project, right? So even before you start talking about when I'm going to migrate my first workload, you should have a framework for being uh, able to communicate to all stakeholders, this is how we're going to measure success as we go along on this journey. Um, part of, you know, obviously, again, the sp sponsorship is making sure you create a coalesce a um, coalition of leaders across the organization, right? So if you know there are pockets of the organization that are not necessarily receptive to change, that are not necessarily have a different vision or historically have been reluctant to work hand in hand, I mean, I see this all the time. There's like different P&Ls um, that are in conflict with each other at times. There are 
different conflicting priorities, budgeting, politics, what have you, right? So the role of, of the leader at this, in this stage is really to make sure you can build coalition across different areas so you have a unified um, team moving onwards. And this is really important, and this is more subtle, but you know, what we've seen is if you are able to reinforce even small wins, um, even small steps as you go through this journey, um, it really changes the mindset of your organization a lot. A lot of folks now raise their heads and take notice and say, oh, you know, so-and-so did this, you know, they were able to do this in the cloud and they got kudos and they sent, uh, somebody sent out a newsletter about it. Maybe I could do something like that and, and try my hands at, you know, building something cool in the cloud or helping migrate some kind of workload. Um, so reinforcing that commitment and whether it's through newsletters, doing lunch and learns internally, um, uh, informational emails, blogs, whatever, right? Any kind of mechanism that helps you ultimately, um, you know, commit, build, and maintain momentum because that's really the name of the game and that's what we want our senior leaders to be able to instill in the organization as we go through this, right? And the reason this is the first point that I'm talking about is because most of the time, projects stall because people are not sure uh, what their role is, and they're not really sure where senior leadership stands uh, in respect to what they have to do with this initiative, right, with a large-scale initiative. So constant reinforcement, build the momentum, and maintain it as you go along. So the next point is business case. And business case has a lot to do with, like I mentioned earlier, um, providing your organization with a data-driven dri approach of why we're moving to the cloud in the first place, right? So people are going to come up out of the woodwork and say, hey, you know, I don't know if we should be doing this. Why are we doing this, this in the first place? If they understand data and they follow, uh, um, uh, if they understand the metrics that are provided in the business case, then, they can, then you have a case to talk to them about, you know, these are the reasons why we feel it's a significant value add or significant value proposition for us as an organization to, to move there, right? And these, these are the benefits that we can get. So this is just a sample output of a, of a high level one um, and it doesn't have to necessarily mean anything but all I wanted to show you, share with you is like we have mechanisms and tools in place uh, within AWS to help you both uh, estimate uh, migration costs, run rates, uh, do TCO analysis and anything along those, those lines. We have a um, cloud economics team, if you're not aware, that we can tap into and help you on that, on that, in that process specifically. Um, and the business case is usually, it's, it's something that happens in, in steps, right? It's an iterative approach. And what, what happens is early on, we usually have a conversation with sponsor or senior leadership team and they want to understand ballpark figures They'll say to me, Sadaq, tell me how long, how much is this going to cost me, uh, and how long will it take me ballpark for me to close this data center and move it to AWS, right, in mass. And so there, the level of data is fairly coarse. Um, you know, they may have some spreadsheets, they may have some output of an outdated tool. Let's say, hey, we got 4,000 VMs in this data center, uh, and this is kind of the breakdown between Linux, Windows, what have you. And, you know, give us some pricing. We want to bring our own licenses or we want to use AWS provided licenses. These are the database engines that we have. So very coarse level, but then they'll say, 
So then we'll do a directional business case with them at that point. So it will be high-level estimates of what they can do, uh, you know, depending on, we'll give them some options, worst case, best case, um, how, how are things looking in terms of if they wanted to do on-demand pricing, reserve pricing, and so on, and which regions they would like to select, and on and on. But then once we get past that point, then we'll, get, we'll sit down and we'll do a more refined approach or another pass at the business case. And that's a drill down where we dive deep into understanding exactly the specifics of what is actually in scope of the migration. So maybe from a data center you have 4,000 VMs, but maybe 3,500 of them are in scope. The other 500 are moving to another data center or they're being shut down, retired, decommissioned, they're part of an app rationalization project, what have you, right? And then we'll sit down with specific teams and they'll say, yeah, I have these 200 VMs, but I, necess I don't necessarily want to migrate them. I'm going to replatform 100 of them. So that changes a little bit the, the equation, right? And then finally, we have a detailed one, which is um, we can provide five-year estimates uh, of you know, what is your ROI going to be um, based on the, the pace at which you migrate your workloads. And it's much more detailed, again, we have resources and tools on our side, and we have a, a, a cloud economics team. That, that's all they do for a living all day, all, all night, and they're more than happy to help you with uh, refining your business case as you go along. Right, so business case key. So we talk sponsorship, business case, people. You know, so people really is fundamental, obviously. You can't get anything done without without the team's alignment and buy-in. Um, we have a couple of different things you can do with, uh, from, from readying your organization when it comes to the people side of things, right? So we obviously, AWS offers a ton of training. Um, you know, you can build your technical skills. We have some business essential skills also you can tap into. You don't necessarily need to be a techie to be able to be comfortable and, and, and talk the lingo and understand the platform. Um, we have some self-paced online labs. We have free tier accounts that you can, you know, start up and, and test and experiment with on the platform. We have certifications so you can, you know, um, determine if you're, how well ready, how ready you are in terms of your understanding of, of the platform and its capabilities. Um, solutions architects, awesome resources there. They work with you in the account, uh, and they can do things like uh, immersion days. And I don't know how many of you are familiar with immersion days, but they basically will go really deep with you uh, on a specific topic of your choice that's important to your organization. So if you tell me, I want to work on, I want to understand CloudFormation, they'll do a one-day, two-day immersion day with, with multiple teams if they have to repeat it strictly on CloudFormation, and they can go deep on the specific needs of your organization, right? So, um, and then we have AWS Professional Services, which is a team that I'm in. We do a lot of workshops, uh, anywhere from educating customers and getting them ramped up, but also it's very much uh, instilling best practices and providing the guidance necessary for them to be able to, you know, migrate at scale successfully. Um, but, you know, the, the key takeaway from this is the experiences that we've, we've had is like the people are really the folks who are going to be able to say you're successful or you're not, right? So if you empower them with the right tools and lay the proper foundations for them to be successful, so creating roles, creating framework for them to grow, um, 
a, a clear path for them in terms of their transition from the way they're operating or working today to the way they will in the future. Uh, is, is fundamental for them to be able to, um, to come on board and work with you. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, and then the other piece to this, this is the training as, uh, aspects, is creating a center of excellence. So center of excellence could mean tiger team, could mean um, task force, could mean many different things. We call it center of excellence, you call it whatever you like, but it's a core team that's fundamentally at the center of your organization that really understands everything about your organization from the tools, people, processes side of the house. And they have a somewhat good experience and understanding of the cloud capabilities, right? It's a, so it's a, it's, a, it's a group of folks who can marry the two. And the reason we say we want them to be very knowledgeable, because I've had customers who've created COEs with partners uh, or have had partners lead them, um, they can work as well. But there's more success if you have folks who understand your culture that are embedded in that team that can actually influence the decisions that are being made and emanating from that team, right? So uh, for us, Center of Excellence is a team that's really focused on, on understanding uh, what are the processes, the policies, the standards, the tools, um, all, all those different aspects that are important and relevant for an organization like yourself when you're looking at migrating. And they are also able to define the racy matrix of who would be the right folks to tap and say, hey, tap on the shoulder and say, hey, I want to have you, uh, would you be interested in working on the migration team? Or what skills do we need as an organization because we understand our organizational uh, strengths and weaknesses that we need to ramp up to be able to achieve this kind of initiative, right? Um, and so they also be able to do skills assessment, and we can assist with that, providing job descriptions, like I mentioned earlier, understanding. So having folks really being immersed and involved and trying to see what is the path for them in their organization, um, how they're going to evolve into this new role and this new operational paradigm in the cloud. Uh, so alongside that, you know, we have foundational experience. So what I mentioned earlier was having them being able, be, be able to experiment and um, uh, uh, test out the capabilities. Most of the large-scale migration projects that we see are uh, typically with customers who have a baseline foundation. So they may have some production accounts with us, they may have been running production workloads with us, or maybe not, maybe they've been running dev tests with us for like a couple of years even. Uh, but they have some basic understanding of the platform and the capabilities. And what we've seen is if you start fresh and if you go in day one with nobody in your organization having any experience with AWS, um, talking to them about high velocity sprints and migrating servers and changing your operational paradigm becomes a very difficult conversation, right? So the more exposure you give them to the, to the platform and the more you have them interact and test out and experiment, uh, the better you will be in terms of being able to, to scale the, the, um, the cadence and the velocity of, of your migrations. And go to this. So ultimately, you know, as you go through training your teams, giving them access to the, to the baseline capabilities of testing, you, you know, we have, like I mentioned earlier, we have free tier accounts they can play with. Um, we, we want them to be, get to a place where um, 
they have enough exposure and interaction to have intelligent conversations internally amongst yourselves. So if you're in an organization and you have to decide, am I going to lift and shift workloads or I'm going to replatform, you want to know that the people at the table having the conversation understand the pros and cons of each and what, is, what are the implications and what are the ramifications for your organization as you move along, right? So if I decide to replatform a database, how is this going to impact what I'm doing from a licensing, costing, operating model, uh, from a scales and people model versus if I did just move it to EC2, right? So that's, that's the, the, the place we want to be at so that the people uh, on your side in the organization are in a capacity to make informed decisions and not put up blockers because they don't necessarily understand the capabilities of the platform, right? So operating models. This is probably the one that m most people overlook uh, most often, right? What they'll do is they say, hey, we know how we're operating. We have maybe we have SLAs, OALAs, maybe we have documentation, maybe we have escalation processes in place. We have some um, third-party partners providing support. Maybe we have all of that. But what they don't think about is when you move uh, workloads to the cloud, what is the impact uh, in your day-to-day -day operating model? And like I said earlier, you may have most companies that I've interacted with have more than one operating model. And that could be because you have decentralized operations, or it's because you have centralized operations, but you have different pockets not necessarily abiding by the same rules and standards for various reasons, right? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That's just the reality of the experiences that we're seeing, the, the, what we're seeing in the field. So understanding your operating models, um, what are the tools and processes people are, are, are leveraging today, and really fundamentally it's about knowing why you are operating a certain way. Why are you in the state that you are today is paramount for you to be able to make decisions on how, where you want to be tomorrow once you start migrating to the cloud, right? Um, it's, you know, there's a lot of times where you have decisions being made outside of the core team uh, around big decisions such as how we're going to, you know, outsource potentially uh, part of our infrastructure or we're going to have others uh, manage this for us. Uh, but that's why I'm going back to my earlier point that you need to have people who understand the organization and the culture within your COE, within your task force, within your tiger team, who really understand the context so they can make the right decisions moving forward when you start migrating to the cloud and operating at scale. And so the three typical operating models that we see, and you see a mixture of this in different organizations. I've seen organizations with all three. I've seen organizations with just one. Um, but, you know, you have a, 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 on the left side, you have the traditional model, which you have a separation of, you know, development and operational teams, and they manage different pieces of the infrastructure, right? Um, and so th this is more in the, in the line of, you know, you have traditional delivery um, SDLC processes, you're using waterfall typically, it's a high-touch model, uh, and, you know, the workloads are dependent on various teams for service del delivery. So you may have to go to different teams to get something uh, done in your infrastructure today, right? Then you have the automated efficiency where you have, you know, you have some traditional on-prem um, uh, operations of applications, 
but you have a lot more automation involved, right? So you may have um, points across that the DevOps team potentially could be leveraging or impacting in terms of delivery of the service. Um, and then, you know, this is more of an agile approach uh, for the most part. And then you have the DevOps, full-blown DevOps, which is the, the um, idea of you, you build it, you own it, right? So you have the team that builds a, a, an application and they run it and they operate it in the cloud. And this is a shift for some teams and for some others it's not because they've been doing it for a long time. But what I wanna, the, the key takeaway from this slide is you can, you can have all of these models in the cloud. You have all of these models on-prem as well. Um, but you have to understand which of these models best fits you. And if that's a change, a direction, a path that you want to embark upon, you need somebody in the organization to make the case for it of, from, from a culture, from a process, from a skills, from a tooling perspective of why a specific model makes sense. Right? And we're not here to say you need to be all DevOps. You know, I would love it if you were. But you could be automated efficiency, you could be traditional. We want you to be uh, successful and efficient with the model that you have chosen, right? But you have to do it for the right reasons. And that's why it's, it's key that the folks who are making these kinds of decisions up front before you start your journey are folks who, are really, who really understand the context and the culture of your organization and can make those decisions from a you know, well-informed place. Um, most of the trouble that I run in with customers uh, they start migrating and different teams start migrating different types of workloads and they get to a place where they have more operating models in the cloud than they did on-prem and now so they're thinking oh my god I got you know I had all this overhead of management of from operations perspective on-prem now I have a lot more in the cloud because I didn't think this through um, and because it's a decentralized model now we have to reassess so we'll put the brakes on on the project for instance and revisit it and come up with a new plan right so the point of this session really is I'm trying to, to share with you um, you know the, the the mistakes or the gotchas that you could the pitfalls that you might run across and hopefully you know when you walk away from this session you'll say you'll know like these are the key areas that you need to invest time and energy in uh, and fleshing out before you start a migrate, large-scale migration project at any rate, right? Uh, and then, then the, the next one is visibility. And so visibility for us, like I mentioned earlier, is gaining that level of high fidelity in your data. So that typically happens through an automated discovery tool of some sort, uh, because we all know manual discovery is cumbersome and error-prone at best. And so um, we're trying to flesh out not only the technical requirements or potential blockers that an um, a automated tool could, could provide or, or shed light on, but we also want to flesh out the business requirements. Uh, because part of any good migration story is, like I said earlier, is a business case. So you want to understand from a, not only from a licensing perspective, but from a, you know, a alignment with business strategy and vision, uh, alignment with your operating models, uh, understanding your uh, support models and your contracts and your providers um, and you know generally understanding what do you want to do with it what's the active roadmap for any application that you're supporting today uh, ahead of starting the migration right because 
you, you will get to this place where you will want to understand which of the six R's you will select for your applications. And you cannot make this decision from a well-informed place if you don't have the right amount of visibility. Right? And that means understanding business and technical requirements. So um, the six R's from, from our perspective, retain, retire, rehost, replatform, refactor, repurchase. Um, they have varying degrees of complexity. They provide varying degrees of benefits. Most enterprise customers that we work with on large-scale migration project um, employ all of these. So part of their portfolio estate is, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, all of these six R's will be mapped to some of their applications in their estate. I've yet to come across an enterprise that was moving, um, you know, even if they said, I want to do lift and shift for everything, there was always, always something that was either retired or repurchased or replatformed or what have you, right? So you cannot make this decision of how do you bucketize your applications when you're going to start the migration without really having good high level of fidelity in your application and knowing, you know, what your dependencies are, what your risks are, um, what are the costs impact of migrating a specific workload. For each of these, you know, your, your cost posture is going to be very different, right? So what I mean by that is not just the EC, the EC2 run rate or what you're going to spend on AWS. It's from a uh, application development and all the way to support, all the way to licensing, um, and anything from a um, productivity, if you're measuring productivity from a developer side on your, on your side of the house or if you're outsourcing that piece of it as well, all of those will be impacted depending on the type of R you select. Right? So again, this decision must come from the place of well-informed data, understanding culture, context, why are we doing this, what is our operating model going to look like, why we want to get to that place uh, with the data that we have, with the history that we have, and making the right choices when it comes to these six R's, right? And so what we try to do with customers is get them to this place based on all the things that we talked about, you know, executive sponsorship, visibility, doing a business case, uh, foundational experience, operating models, is say, okay, you have, you know, these are your drivers for you, and, you know, we do an um, assessment and we determine you know, based on what are the key uh, criteria that are relevant to you or important to you, um, which migration path or which R will you select for specific types of applications. So I've had customers who were, um, who were, who, whose focus was de-risking, for instance. They had a lot of 2003 Windows workloads, um, or they had databases that they wanted to um, continue, stop support and, and move to a different database engine because uh, the contract was about to renew and they wanted to migrate to a different platform uh, before they had to renew the contract, right? So from that perspective, that could influence uh, the, the R that you select, the path that you, you select for your migration of your workloads. Um, for in, here you see, for instance, is application end of life, um, how much budget is there, so you get a ton of agility if you refactor an application, but it's somewhat resource intensive, right? So you have to rewrite it, you have to re-architect it. Uh, you might have to do design sessions, building, a lot of testing. 
So it's, it's not that, so that's something that you have to consider as well. Um, it's not that trivial from a uh, resource perspective. And then you have others like, hey, I'm on deadline. Do I have time to do any kind of refactoring? Do I need it? What's the support model? Can we just move it as is and, get, and close the data center because that's more important? Let's do rehost, right? So that's the place we want to get to um, with customers. But really, everything that I've said so far um, comes from the experience of any of those six points is not well addressed. We run into trouble because customers have to slow down. And we don't want you to slow down. We want you to be successful. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we work on is uh, helping customers build uh, migration factories that scale themselves. So not just the cadence at which you, you scale your EC2 or your lift and shifts or your rehosting workloads, but you can also increase scale up and down your factory itself as you onboard new people, new team members, new tools, new processes. Um, so that's what we are after, really. And so what does it all mean? So if you wanted to put all this into action, right? So you know, I talked a lot about these are some of the blockers and gotchas, and these are the areas you need to focus on. Uh, so we have some things at AWS that we can help you with, right? Um, the, the goal of this session is not to say, uh, go tackle these six on your own. The goal is to say, these are the six that you should focus on, and this is where we're going to help you with, if you want our help. So everything that we've built internally is based on the cloud adoption framework. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, this is a URL at the bottom if you haven't seen it. I strongly encourage you to go read that white paper. And it basically talks about these six perspectives. And if you think for a second about the, the six items that I shared um, at the, throughout this session, um, they more or less align to a lot of these, right? We have the business for the business case. We have people. We talked about platform with foundational experience. Um, and we have security and operations. Obviously, security is fundamental to everything we do from an operations perspective. Uh, so a lot of the perspectives in each of these six boxes or rectangles is called a perspective um, identifies a set of capabilities that we try to help the customer build, right? So whether it's um, how, you know, what is the transformation going to look like for them from, for instance, a security perspective? What is the security posture today? And how will the migration um, impact their security posture tomorrow, right, in the cloud? So that's just a plug for the cloud adoption framework. But just so you're aware, uh, everything that I'm going to show you after this is based on the fundamental principle that we strongly believe these six perspectives are what drive an organization to be able to transform successfully. So we have this great tool called the AWS Migration Readiness Assessment. And it's something that, based on the six perspectives we've created, um, with all the experience of the hundreds of engagements we've done with large-scale migration customers, what are the areas that we feel customers have trouble, pain points? Is there a way for us to identify those gaps early on with a customer and show it to them before we even start the migration project? So maybe we can start plugging, tackling, um, um, plugging away at the gaps that they have before we start a large-scale migration journey that will involve a lot of resources, investment on their part, time, energy, right? And this is what we came up with. And so the, 
this provides this view that you're seeing here is an output of a completed heat map, uh, a completed uh, readiness assessment, right? And what this shows is the areas that are red are areas that, for instance, this specific customer did not score well on. It's a series of questions that we go through that, based on the six CAF perspectives, uh, outline what are the areas they may potentially run into trouble. And what we try to do with this, with, the, with this output, is, and this is the output the customer you will see, um, is what are the deficiencies you may have today and what are some areas you need to focus on to be able to ramp up your capabilities across those six CAF perspectives uh, before you start the migration project, right? We know if you address these capabilities, if you get this, this, this radar to a good place where you get you know, to 80%, for instance, you're much better placed to be successful in your migration journey and not pausing, not slowing down, not stopping, than if you don't because of all the things we just went through the last 45 minutes or so, right? We're calling out specifically uh, COE, training, uh, discovery of data, so fidelity of data is being called out here. What is your security readiness model? Uh, do you have a business case? Do you have commitment? You know, all these things that we touched upon from the, the six core areas are called out specifically here. And so we'll show this to the customer and we'll say, um, this is some of the areas that you have gaps today. And we have a frank and open discussion about them. And, and by the way, this, the, the answers to these questions are provided to us by the customer, right? So we don't fill this in ourselves, but we help the customer fill it in. And so it's kind of like, uh, having a mirror reflected and they say, this is the current state of our organization. Are we really in a good place today to start migrating in, in, at scale to AWS? And sometimes the answer may be no. The answer may be, um, no, I need to go invest in my operating model. No, I need to go invest in my people. Uh, I need to build a stronger business case, right? And that's okay with us because we know if you do this, if you take the right steps, you will be poised for success afterwards. Our, our, my goal is not to say, everybody's ready to migrate, let's do it tomorrow. Doesn't matter, we'll, we'll, we'll do it, right? My goal is to make sure you do it successfully because it's a large transformation project. It's complicated, it impacts a lot of people, right? So you wanna do it right and you wanna minimize cost and risk. So this is a, the, the readiness assessment and basically what we'll do is, based on each area where there's a red, you might say, okay, so what does this do afterward? What's the action? what's the next step, is we'll work with them on plugging that gap. So if there's, for instance, this is pointing to the application discovery data as a gap. And so one of the areas we can, do, we can help the customer with in this specific case is to help them procure, evaluate, bake off an automated discovery tool. We have a number of discovery tools out there that are, have been really successful with customers and so this might be one way of, of plugging that gap, right? Another example is the people side of things. We have maybe the, the gap there is to send more, more of their teams to training, right? Maybe not, they don't have enough foundational experience, so exposing them to more training, whether it's, say, immersion days, quick labs, workshops, self-paced learning, what have you. Uh, and finally, it's building a cloud team. So maybe there is no clear organization or clear central team within the organization that can make decisions. 
around how we move forward. So what are the patterns, one of the six R's that we're going to employ? What is our cloud operating model going to look like? Um, you know, what are the tools, the processes? What are the standards we're going to have to follow? Right? There needs to be some cohesiveness in the organization that says, this is the way we're going to move forward. So we can, we, you know, some of these areas are about helping ramping, ramping up or establishing a team like that, setting them up with skills, um, and getting them ready so that they can, in turn, uh, share that knowledge and, and, and ramp up the internal teams. Uh, this is another one with security. We might, have to do, we might conduct security workshops with a customer, understanding what the security posture is, sometimes um, getting them to a place where they have a proper security playbook for the cloud. Maybe that, that could be a potential blocker for the CISO. He says, you know, I'm not comfortable until we have a good playbook or we've done enough experimenting with the security services. So that, that's just some examples of um, the outputs of a AWS migration readiness assessment. Um, so, but fundamentally, you know, when we do this, we do an MRA, the next step really is to say, you know, it's great to do training, it's great to do immersion days, it's great to do a workshop here and there, but how do we do this in a systematic fashion? How do we do this if a customer comes to, a, comes to me and says, you know, I, I don't feel ready. How do I get, the, how do I get ready really quickly, right? Or, or if we do a um, migration readiness assessment and we realize it's red across the board, which happens fairly often, uh, believe it or not. And they say, okay, so that's, okay, that's good, um, but what do, we, what do I do now? I need help ramping up, getting to the place where I start becoming yellow and green. So I can start migrating. So I can start evangelizing that, hey, this is something real in my organization. We're going to start doing this, right? And so what we have also um, at our disposal within AWS, we've created the migration readiness and planning engagement. And what this is is basically in a, in a number of agile sprints in a short time frame, depending on obviously you know, what the MRA, the migration readiness assessment outputs are, uh, they will feed directly into this type of engagement. And they will basically say, in essence, okay, if I was read on, for instance, the skills and center of excellence, I will spend, you know, two sprints bringing in a number of resources, whether it's AWS ProServe, professional services, or partners, to help you ramp that up, ramp up that capability, to get you to a place where you're comfortable, then scaling that out internally, right? Our goal, our mission is not to go and, you know, sit with you in a room for 12 months and teach you everything there is to know about AWS. Our goal is to teach you that, hey, these are the levers you can employ so that you internally can scale out your knowledge within your organization and come to us whenever you need it, right? And so the same thing with discovery. We have a number of, of tools within um, the AWS professional services team that allow us to take output of, a discover, of discovery data, of a discovery tool, parse and analyze the data, and provide uh, weighted uh, scoring, uh, prioritized list of back or backlog for all the applications in your um, estate, for instance, if that's, that was something that was lacking. Um, business case help, we can do that as well. Uh, migration experience is another area where a lot of times we actually found that for, from a tactical perspective of hands-on keyboards, 
um, it's really helpful for the migration team, whoever that may be, to be able to have some experience of migrating a few workloads. So what we'll do is we'll sit down and work out, okay, you know, we have this, let's say hypothetically, a thousand applications. We have, you know, eight, you know, 60% of them are three-tier application Java apps, and then 20% are, you know, two-tier, you know, Windows with Sybase, for instance, what have you. And let's take the, the ones that, that we see that are very prevalent in the portfolio, and let's have the teams migrate one of them. When, what that exposes the team to is the actual sequence of steps that they must go through to be able to migrate one application successfully, all the way from discovery, planning, designing, building, uh, migrating, right, testing, validating, integrating, cutover, decommissioning, the whole spectrum. And then once they, be, they, they see that process, it really instills a lot of confidence. And you can take that process and replicate it. And then you start getting a migration velocity, right? Because now you have a team that's been able to do one. Now next week they can do two. The following week they can do 10, right? And we do this per pattern because you have a lot of similar patterns in all your portfolios. And it's not just, you know, every application is a snowflake. So that's what we look for. And that's what migration experience is really um, uh, talks to there, and, and that's it. But basically, the migration readiness and planning engagement is uh, a way for us to systematically ramp up the capabilities uh, of you all to, in a place where you can start expanding that knowledge, that experience internally within your organizations, right? So we are here to help. Um, we're on professional services. We're in the bottom. We have a ton of partners. Um, I know I've given you a lot to think about, but um, you know, I don't want it to make it seem like it's daunting. Like all the big, all the six items are listed. They're big, they're big topics. It's not something trivial. I, I, we, we get that. So, um, but we have a lot of resources to help you, right? And, and so what I want to quickly go through, because I'm running out of time. Um, we have the migration competency. I don't know if you're all familiar with the migration competency. We've created a migration competency in 2016 where we have, um, a number of customers, we have thousands of partners obviously, but we have a certain number of, of partners who have achieved the migration competency level as well. And these are partners that customers have relied on to help them migrate uh, in some capacity. Uh, and these are, these are just the samplings of this is accurate as of last month or a few weeks ago, but all the partners are listed on our public website and you can see them there. Um, and obviously we have a whole slew of tools, right? Because another big uh, piece of the puzzle for folks is, okay, what are the tools I'm going to need to be able to migrate? Uh, it's not just the, the, the people side of things or the resources. So along all, if you look at the three dimensions on top, the migration readiness assessment, migration, migration readiness and planning, and the actual migration of applications, um, we have tools in all those categories that can help. So from inventory, uh, and business case, we have, you know, discovery tools, Cloudomize, uh, risk networks, um, TS, TSO Logic, Aptio on the business side of things. Some of you may be familiar with these tools. Some of you, some of these are already well-established, uh, you know, enterprise tools that you may have experience with. 
Um, same with the migration discovery and readiness, you have a lot more application dependency mapping that becomes more critical, right? When you start thinking about migrations and actually migrating workloads, so tools like New Relic, Dynatrace, AppDynamics can give you that, that level of fidelity on the dependency side. Uh, and then you have the actual migrating the bits and bytes. So Cloudinger, Atomotion, Velostrata, depending on the use case, the workload, um, your RTO, RPO, how much of an outage you can take, uh, how much are you willing to spend, right? We have our own tool, AWS SMS, um, DMS, great one for databases. So it's just a matter of, you know, most of my customers have a, co a combination of these tools. You know, there's not one size fits all when it comes to migrating because your um, IT portfolio is not, is not all the same. Um, and then lastly, I think my, my, my talk wouldn't be complete if I didn't give you a, a customer logo slide. Of, these are all the, these are some of, I'm sorry, some of the customers that we've worked with, uh, part of our uh, migration journey with them. And so, so a lot of the learnings that I've shared um, up to this point have come from our experiences with some of these customers you see here. Um, I, you know, I want to call out maybe a couple. Enel out of Italy, uh, in partnership with Accenture, they were able to migrate uh, 6,000 servers in 10 months. But the interesting thing is they were able to keep their existing change management process while doing it. Right? So a lot of folks think, oh, I need to completely change the way I'm looking at this. It has to be a completely separate team, isolated. Uh, no. They were successful because they were committed. They had buy-in. They had good help. They had the right tools. Um, and, and they really wanted to do it, and, and the whole organization was behind it. Right? And another one we have, um, maybe I'll call out is, uh, if I can get this, sorry. Yeah, the other one I want to call out is Capital One. Um, and Capital One is reducing its data centers from eight to three by 2018. And Capital One is a great customer because they, they're pretty much using every single service or testing every single service that we have. <coughs> that we have. Um, but they, they run most of their, a lot of the critical workloads, anywhere from dev test, you know, all the way to mission critical workloads on, on AWS. And, and they're really um, looking at re reinventing the way they do uh, mobile banking. So uh, the other, the last thing I want to leave you with is like definitely check out this link, aws at amazon.com slash migration. A um, lot of great content, both in terms of tools, partners. Uh, don't forget about the cloud adoption framework white paper. Um, and I'll open it up for questions. I got, we've got a little time if you have any questions from anyone. <laughs>